Mark will be preaching from the book of Matthew, uh, chapter 9, verses 1 through 8. And so in preparation, I'll be doing the, uh, the scripture reading uh, myself this morning from that passage. It says, And getting into a boat, he, uh, Jesus, uh, crossed over and came to his own city. And behold, some people brought to him a paralytic lying on a bed. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Take heart, my son, your sins are forgiven. And behold, some of the scribes said to themselves, This man is blaspheming. But Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Why do you think evil in your hearts? For which is easier, to say, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Rise and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he then said to the paralytic, Rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And he rose and went home. When the crowds saw it, they were afraid, and they glorified God, who had given such authority to men. May God bless the reading of his work. Pastor Mark. Thank you, Josh. Well, good morning, everyone. It is a real privilege and honor for me to be here. I'm, I'm grateful you would ask me to come and, and preach this morning. And uh, in the back, I see my son, David, and his family, his wife, Sarah, and Zed Harper and Aiden, and I see my wife Christy back there, and Harper, so they're in, they're in the very back, so thank you guys for coming, and uh, just thanks everyone for coming this morning. Well, let's just pray before I start. Lord, just thank you for your word. Thank you for this church. I just pray you would pour out your blessings upon this church, Lord. Use them mightily to spread your gospel, Lord Jesus, and Thank you for your word this morning, Lord. Thank you that you would speak to us your word. And we just pray you would open it up and help us to just see you and appreciate you more and more. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, imagine, imagine that you were sitting together in someone's living room with a bunch of your friends and uh, just having a good time together. And all of a sudden you hear a loud thump on the roof. And then you hear some more noises on the roof. Or imagine if we heard a loud thump on the roof this morning and kept hearing more loud noises. And suddenly you all look up and there is a little bit of plaster falling down. And then a small hole appears in the ceiling and the hole keeps getting larger and larger, and then pretty soon you see hands are ripping this hole larger and larger, and more and more plaster keeps falling down. And then as the hole gets larger, then all of a sudden you see faces looking down through the hole at you. That, that would be something you would never forget, right? <laughs> 
I don't think we'd ever forget that one. Well, that's, that's uh, what happened uh, this morning in, in this morning's passage, which we've already read. So that same story is also told in the book of Mark chapter 2 and Luke 5. So I'll be referring to those also this morning. According to the Gospel of Matthew, which we read this morning, um, Jesus performed this miracle early in his ministry after returning to his own city. So when in this passage it says his own city, it is referring to Capernaum, which uh, the, the gospel writer Mark mentions specifically in his gospel, Capernaum. And Capernaum was a town located on the northern shore of the Sea of Galilee and became a central location for many of Jesus' teachings and miracles during his ministry. And it was considered his own city because he frequently stayed there and performed significant acts of healing and teaching in that city. So I, I love imagining this scene. I just, in, in the book of Mark, when in Mark's version of the story, he says in verse 4, being unable to get to him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him, and when they had dug an opening, they let down the pallet on which the paralytic was lying. So everyone is inside listening to Jesus teach, a large crowd of people. I don't know how big the room was, but the, there were so many people there that these men who were bringing their friend could not even get in the door at all. And so they decide to go up on the roof and start to make an opening. And so everybody's inside, and there's suddenly this noise above. And, and one um, man who... Uh, has been many years conducting tours in Bible lands since 1967, he wrote this. He said, typically roofs, roofs back then were constructed from beams covered with branches and a thick layer of mud plaster, and roofs needed to be replastered annually prior to the rainy season to seal cracks which had developed during the summer heat. So this, this roof had this mud plaster and branches and all this on it. Um, in Luke's telling of the story, Luke chapter 5, he says, but not finding any way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and let him down through the tiles with his stretcher into the middle of the crowd in front of Jesus. So Jesus is is teaching, and then he hears this noise, and he suddenly probably looks up at the ceiling. Everybody in the room was looking up. Bits of plaster and branches probably starting to fall down kept happening more and more until this huge hole appears in the roof. Tons of sticks and plaster fall down on the floor. I can just picture them looking up with their mouths open. <laughs> what is happening and then these men begin to lower someone, a friend of theirs, down on a pallet. And they may have just been bending over the hole and letting him down in. And, and maybe four guys in the room stood up and grabbed the pallet and lowered it the rest of the way down. 
Now, the first thing that stands out in this passage is Jesus is merciful, compassionate, and loving. Jesus is merciful, compassionate, and loving. The guy on the pallet, I, I picture him, he might have been trembling with fear. He's, he might be thinking, the owner of the house is going to attack me. <laughs> You know, or maybe Jesus is going to be angry for interrupting him. You know, so I don't know what the guy on the pallet was thinking. But our passage says, and when Jesus saw their faith, and I'm thinking it's probably the guys who were letting him down, could have included the paralytic, but he said, take heart, my son, your sins are forgiven. It says, when Jesus saw their faith, now, he sees the faith of the man's friends. The paralytic may have had faith too, but I, I would imagine he would have been struggling with fear and doubt. I mean, he had been paralyzed for years and years, most likely. Don't know how much faith he had. But Jesus saw their faith, and then he says to the paralytic, Take heart, my son, your sins are forgiven. I could imagine the paralytic's face. He's maybe just getting ready for Jesus to yell at him. What are you doing? Interrupting my teaching. And so he's, he's maybe getting ready for Jesus to yell at him. And Jesus expresses compassion and love. He says, take heart, my son. And one commentator I read said, here as elsewhere, pity. Pity is the starting point of our Lord's work of healing. And he looked with infinite tenderness on the dejected expression of the sufferer who had lost heart and hope. This, this guy had lost heart and hope. And Jesus has pity on him and says, take heart. What a picture of our God. He's merciful, compassionate, loving, have, have you lost heart? I can imagine in a room this size, this many people, there'd be some here. Maybe you're just discouraged, all you're going through in your life, just lost heart, don't have much hope. And Jesus loves you and cares for you and has pity on you. And your circumstance and looks upon you with infinite tenderness. I remember when I, when I first started many, many years ago, I, I went to some, a couple prayer meetings when Jesus was beginning to draw me to himself. And I remember thinking, what does God care about me? He's got the whole universe to run. You know, why would he care about my little problems? And so it was just amazing to me when I saw in the Bible over the years that God really cares about us. He has pity for us when we're going through hard times. He's compassionate and loving. Matthew 9.36 says, When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus had compassion on these crowds of people. And then Psalm 103.13 says, As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. So do you believe 
that God is merciful and compassionate to you, toward you? He does. He cares about each and every one of us in this room. He feels for us. He has compassion. He's so gentle and kind and merciful. He loves you. He longs you to come to him and bring your problems to him. In Peter, it says, cast your cares upon the Lord because he cares for you. God wants us to bring our cares to him. We, we might think, well, my, what are my cares compared to you know, what other people have? What are my cares compared to, to this infinite God? He, he does. He cares for us. And then it says, Jesus saw their faith. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, take heart, my son, your sins are forgiven. So he sees the faith of the men carrying the pallet and possibly the faith of the paralytic, although I would believe it's more the four guys or however many guys. They had so much faith in Jesus, they were willing to do anything to get their friend to him. They believed that Jesus had the power to heal and do miracles. And they would have been willing to pay for the damage they did to the roof or fix it themselves. And I just, I just thought, now this is, this is not the main point of the passage, but this just really struck me as I was studying it. I, I want to be a friend like that. I, I want to be a friend who brings other people in my prayers to Jesus. I, I, I mean, they were so determined, nothing was going to stop them. They were going to do whatever they had to do to get their friend to Jesus. They, they weren't thinking, what, what's the owner of the house going to do to us? Are we going to get in trouble? We're going to do, we'll, we'll, we'll take whatever consequences we can to get this guy to Jesus. Because we know Jesus can heal him. And so... Let's, let's be like that. Let's, let's be friends like that. God tells us not to, not to lose faith in him. And so in Matthew 7, 7 through 11, he says, ask and it will be given to you. And, and, and you, you could interpret that word ask as keep asking. That's the tense it's in. But Jesus says, ask, keep asking and it will be given to you. Seek, keep seeking, and you will find. Knock, keep knocking, and it will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask him. I, I want to be a friend like these guys were to this paralytic. And I, I, I feel like I've got a, a long way to go to be like that. But this inspires me to want to be like that and to, to pray for my family members, to pray for my friends, to pray to pray for people to be saved, to pray for people to be healed, to just pray for people in every situation. 
When, and just as Jesus saw the faith of the friends who lowered the paralytic through the roof, so Jesus sees our faith in him when we pray for others. And Jesus will help us to have faith in him. I so often feel like my faith is so weak. <laughs> and that's why I love this one passage. When a man brought his son to Jesus, who was afflicted by a spirit that made him mute, caused him to have seizures, it says, And when the spirit saw him, immediately it convulsed the boy, and he fell on the ground and rolled about, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And it has often cast him into the fire and into water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can, all things are possible for one who believes. And immediately the father of the child cried out, I believe Help my unbelief. And Jesus immediately cast out the demon. He didn't say, oh, you have unbelief? Well, go home, come back when you got full belief. Come back when your faith is strong. No, Jesus, Jesus didn't. The guy says, Lord, my faith is weak. I need help. Jesus said, okay, I'll take that faith that you have. So if you feel like your faith is weak, welcome to the club. <laughs> I, I tell Jesus sometimes, Lord, this is so hard. I, I'm having a real hard time believing this. Help me. Help me, Jesus. Help me to have faith. And he does. He promises to. Jesus said in Matthew 17, 20, For truly I say to you, if you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. So we just have to keep asking, keep praying, keep seeking, and Jesus will help us. You know, the, it's, it's just, isn't it just so hard to wait I think that's the hardest thing, is waiting for Jesus to answer our prayers. You know, I, I, I think of the song by Queen often, where he says, I want it all, I want it all, I want it all, and I want it now. <laughs> I, feel, I feel like that's me sometimes. Lord, I, I want this now. I want you to answer my prayers now. It's so hard to wait especially when you're praying for loved ones. But Jesus says, don't give up. Now, the next, the next thing that really stands out about this, so the, so the first thing is Jesus' love and compassion. Next thing that stood out in this passage to me was just the friendship, the friends, and how they came to Jesus for their friend. But the, the, I think the, the most significant thing in the passage is forgiveness of sins. Forgiveness of sins. And, and in this passage, forgiveness of sins is more important than physical healing. It's interesting. The first thing Jesus says, they lower him down. They're wanting him to heal this guy. And Jesus says, take heart, my son. Your sins are forgiven. 
And when we come to Jesus, he says this to us. Take heart. Your sins are forgiven. Jesus forgives our sins. That's, that's more important than anything else Jesus could do for us. Our sins are forgiven because Jesus himself paid for those sins upon the cross. He took the punishment we deserved. When Jesus was on the cross, God placed our sins upon him as if Jesus had committed them and then punished Jesus as if he had committed those sins. So that when we believe in Jesus and put all our trust in him and call upon him to save us, he then places the righteousness of Christ upon us as if we had lived Jesus' perfect, sinless life as a gift of grace. Not because we deserve it, not because we are righteous, but that's, that's just the gracious, loving God. He forgives our sins. No punishment remains for us when we come with all our heart to Jesus and call upon him to save us. Our sins are forgiven. And we have eternal life in Jesus. So Jesus said, Jesus said, take heart or take, take courage is what the Berean study Bible interprets that word as. Take courage, my son. And the King James Bible, I like the way it, it interprets this. It says, son, be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven thee. I love that. Be of good cheer. Nothing should make us more cheerful and glad than to know our sins are forgiven. When Jesus forgives our sins, bodily sickness and injuries can do us no real harm or lasting harm. They can't do us eternal harm. And notice in our passage, Jesus did not immediately say, be healed. The first thing he said is, your sins are forgiven. And one commentator I read said that in this, Jesus was demonstrating the primary reason he came into the world was to save his people from their sins. And so the, 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 courage, the, the translation says, take courage. When we stand before God on judgment day, we'll be able to take courage because all our sins are forgiven. All of them. It doesn't matter. Some of you in here, you may, you may be thinking, well, my sins are so bad, they could not be forgiven. No, there is no sin that the blood of Jesus cannot wash away and purchase your forgiveness for. None. It doesn't matter what you have done. And if you have not yet come to Jesus for forgiveness of your sins, I would urge you and encourage you to do that. And when we come to Jesus, it's a gift of his grace. We don't have to earn it. Jesus didn't say, you know what, I'll forgive your sins if, you know, I'll heal you and then you got to go out and you got to do all this, this and this and this. No, Jesus said, I forgive you. It was a gift gift of God's grace.
And this paralytic is a picture of us when we were dead in our sins. The Bible says before we call upon Jesus and, and turn to him in faith and trust in him for salvation, we are dead in our sins. And it's like we're, we're, we are paralyzed spiritually, like this guy on the, on the pallet. We cannot do a thing. We're dead in sin. We have no hope unless we forgive Forgive, unless we receive forgiveness as a gift from Jesus, who is so willing to forgive us. And, and think about it. Even if, even if we go through all kinds of other hard stuff in our lives, if our sins are forgiven, that is the most important thing in life. If our sins are forgiven and we're, we're sons and daughters of God and we're saved, what does it matter if, if stuff breaks or if we can't get what we want? I have this friend who is a pastor in England, and he told me the story about when, when he first got saved. He, he was a brand new Christian, just saved, and He's driving his car one day and happens to look over to the side and sees this really beautiful young lady walking on the sidewalk, and he's distracted. Later, later she would actually become his wife. But he sees this woman, and he, he's so distracted, he smashes into a car that's parked on the side. He gets out of his car, and he looks at his car, and his car is just messed up. But then he says... So what? I'm saved. I'm saved. So what if my car is wrecked? I'm saved. And that's, that, that story has always just struck me as just such a reminder of how wonderful it is that Jesus has saved me and forgiven my sins. So next time you're going through something hard, just say, so what? I'm saved. <laughs> that doesn't mean I'm not saying life is easy. I'm not saying that things aren't really hard. But I'm just saying this passage is showing us that the forgiveness of sins and salvation is more important even than that paralytic's healing. And the final thing this passage shows us is that and proves to us is that Jesus Christ is God. First of all, only God can forgive sins. That is why the scribes were thinking to themselves, this man is blaspheming. Verse 6, some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, why does this man speak that way? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? That's from the book of Mark. And Luke says it this way, scribes and Pharisees began to reason, saying, who is this man who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? And so the Pharisees and scribes recognized that essentially Jesus was claiming to be God. Jesus Christ is God. And he, he was the only one. God alone could forgive sins. And Jesus then proved he was God by healing the paralytic and by healing him simply by speaking. Jesus gave us just a glimpse of the infinite power of God 
Only God can heal by speaking a word. You know, we are so blessed in this nation that the doctors and, and we have so much medical knowledge and I'm, I'm so grateful I can go to my doctor and he has knowledge and he can say, you know what, take, try taking this medication, whatever. But my doctor has never just spoken a word and healed me. With all, with all the medical knowledge God has given us, only God can speak a word and heal someone. No doctor has ever done that. No doctor has ever said to someone as they're heading into surgery, don't worry, I'm just going to speak to your heart and it'll be healed. Only God can speak and heal. And Jesus is demonstrating in this passage that he is God. And then, when Jesus said, which is easier, to say your sins are forgiven or to say rise and walk, but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he then said to the paralytic, rise, pick up your bed and go home, and he rose and went home. And what Jesus could have said or added was, which is easier for God to say, your sins are forgiven or pick up your pallet and go home? God can do anything. Nothing's too hard for God. Nothing is too hard for God. And he was proving that he is God. There is no one too sick for God to heal. There is no one too lost for God to save. God is all-powerful. If you're praying for someone, and you, maybe a loved one or a friend or a family member to be saved, and you may think, man, they're just in a terrible place. Don't forget. Don't, and don't stop thanking God. Lord, I, I, very often I do this as I'm praying for family members that need salvation. I'll say, Lord, I praise you that you are all-powerful. No one is too hard for you to save. Nothing is too hard for God to change. Jesus is God. And I wondered, as I studied this, I wondered if any of the scribes or the people who witnessed this went home and thought about Psalm 103, verses 1 through 5. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases. Now, someday you may say, well, I know, I know people who weren't healed of their diseases. Someday, we who believe in Jesus, when we are in heaven with him, there will be no more disease. There will be no more sickness. There will be no more sadness. He will wipe away every tear from our eyes. So one, whether the timing is up to the Lord. I know people who have he, he's healed of diseases in this life. But ultimately, he will. He redeems your life from the pit. Who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. Who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagle's. Jesus proved he was God. He proved he was God also because he knew their thoughts. Only God knows the thoughts of men. God knows 
that every single thought of every human being who has ever lived. God knows our hearts. He knows our thoughts. If I said, Lord, tell me what I was thinking on January 15th, 1969. He could tell me every thought that I had ever had. He, he knows the thoughts of our hearts. That proves that Jesus was God. He knew what they were thinking in their hearts. And so... It says, they said, this man is blaspheming, but Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, why do you think evil in your heart? So he was proving that he's God. And then, finally, Jesus reveals himself to us. And so it says in, in this passage, it says, but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He then said to the paralytic, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And he rose and went home. Jesus wanted the religious leaders and everyone in that house to know that he was God. He said, but that you may know that I have authority to forgive sins, that I'm God. Son, be healed. We would never know God unless he revealed himself to us. And he longs to reveal himself to us. Maybe this morning you're here and maybe all this is new. Well, I want to tell you this. God longs to reveal himself to you. And if you ask him to, he will. If you pray and ask him to, he will. He wants us to know him more and more. And as long as we live, he'll keep revealing more and more of who he is to us. So if you've been a believer for many years, there is... So much more that Jesus wants to show us, show you. So Jesus is merciful, compassionate, and loving. Jesus gives us faith. Jesus forgives our sins. Jesus Christ is God. And I'll just say a little prayer here. We'll close out this teaching. Lord Jesus, we just thank you and praise you and worship you for who you are. We pray that you would give us faith, strengthen our faith. We pray that you would make us friends like these friends. We pray that you would reveal to us more and more that you are God and your power and that you're merciful and compassionate and forgiving. We just thank you for your word, O oh Lord. I just pray, Lord, that if anyone here is, is in this room who doesn't know you yet, that you would just open their eyes and show yourself to them. Reveal yourself and give them faith in you. In Jesus' name, amen.